This week on The Cynical Optimists. Sonic gets a better second lap. Will Google Stadia stall at the start line? And will Le Mans 66 finish first in our discussion? Hello and welcome to the Cynical Optimists, where we don't have any horsepower, but we've got plenty of talk. I am Phil. <laughs> and I'm Nick. That was a really good one. Do you like that pun? <laughs> you've you've uh, done so it, So this Phil. is the podcast. You've created, you've created a pun. Thank it, you. I actually... It works. Uh, I, was, I was actually really happy when I thought of that, because I wanted something, you know, related to the film, because yeah. this is quite a rarity. Uh, so anyway, this is the podcast where we bring to you the TV, film, and gaming news of the week, mm-hmm. and then in the latter half, talk about a recent release or prominent topic uh, from last week. So in this episode, as you may have guessed from my uh, brilliant car pun, okay. is a film which rather inconveniently goes by two names. In the UK, it is Le Mans 66, but in the States, it is just called Ford versus Ferrari. Mm. Because there's been 66 pe- uh, 65 prequels in the UK. I fluffed that joke. Ah, I initially said 66. God damn it! I'm gonna leave it to you. Did you did you wanna did you want me to be quiet and you can just do it fresh no, and I'll no. laugh and I'll edit it no, all in. Leave it all in. That's what I said. No, leave it all in. Uh, aside aside from fumbling that joke, uh, how are you, I'm Nick? Really tired. <laughs> Um, Le Mans 66 <laughs> has been really busy at the cinema so um, yeah and my boss is on holiday so I've worked a lot of overtime quite popular from the screenings I've seen mm. and I was thinking about this earlier but I think this might be in our 56 uh, episode run the first non-franchise film we have reviewed on this show really? yeah unless you count bloody bloody Terminator Dark Fate am I right? because does that even count as a bloody franchise anymore? Am I right? <laughs> it's more just a, a series of uh, messes. Why couldn't we have saved Le Mans sixty six for episode sixty six? Damn it! <laughs> what do it like? Ne- <laughs> do it next <Yeah>. May. <laughs> just just for the thematic. Uh, I mean, fifty six is pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's got six in it. We're, yeah, it's 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 only ten out. It's only one one digit out. It's fine. <laughs> Alright, so uh, it's mostly just film news this week. Uh, what have we got? Joker, do you remember that? We, we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? I vaguely recall. Yeah. Um, it's become the first R-rated movie to make a billion dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty good going. Well, the thing is, it's... Uh, the thing is, it's a, it was... It got all the comic book fans to see it. Mm-hmm. But I know people who are like, I don't like DC. I don't really watch the comic book films or the DC films, but I've heard Joker's quite good. Yeah. So they they're like not Batman people or mm. anything like that, and they still went to go see it. So I think it did manage to, um, possibly more than I guess it's it's R-rated competitor in that space is I guess Deadpool. Mm. But Deadpool is still at its core a superhero movie. Yeah. So this managed to you know go beyond that. Yeah. Also, does it slightly contradict the message of the movie, which is just you and your billionaires in your glass houses looking down at us, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a billion dollar movie. <laughs> but no, there we go. I mean, uh, yeah, as I, as we've said, um, we both we both liked it, didn't we? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I think you can go back and watch our like the first bit of two episodes ago when we kind of go into it in a little bit of detail or a synopsis clip yeah we've got a clip on YouTube as well which kind of brings forward the, some of the key points mm. but as I said there I think it's a it's a good film it's got great acting great direct great directing of its shots and things like yeah. that at times I don't think the film knows what points it's trying to make but it is very good yeah yeah no uh, good on it a um, little bit more DC news uh, Andy Circus has been uh, confirmed as Alfred in the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Okay. Yeah, what do you think of that? 
Whenever anyone says Andy Serkis, I always imagine he's going to be doing CG of some kind. But no, I like Andy Serkis. Like, I like him in his non... In his non-CG uh, roles as well. He's actually motion capturing as Michael Caine. <laughs> as Alfred. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. That famous uh, Alfred quote of... Um, Bruce, my precious. <laughs> um, but no, that's, that's, that's pretty good casting. I can see him as an Alfred with a little bit of grey strands thrown in there for good measure. This is Andy Serkis' third um, superhero universe, isn't it? He's got well. He's, he obviously was in Marvel. He was um, in yeah. Avengers and then Black Panther. Well, he's all, he's directing he he's directing Venom. Okay. So he's linked to the Spider Verse as well. Um, ah, gets around that guy, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean it, it's good. I'm I'm glad that it's there's no. It, it clearly shows there's no tribalism, doesn't it? The mm. fact that actors are doing all all of the universes. Mm. I mean, I guess um, if. Robert Downey Jr. suddenly signed on to play Batman or something, that'd be confusing, but by and, by and large, there'd be no, like, oh, you're, you're loyal to Marvel now or anything like that. No, exactly. Does this also, though, put the... put the What's a good expression? Does it put the bullet in the brain for sort of continuing the DCEU with, with this film? Because... What, with uh, Joker or with Batman? No, with uh, recasting Alfred, because it, when, when it was announced that it was Robert Pattinson replacing Ben Affleck, you could you could be you could have thought, does this still fit into the DCEU? Are they going to continue or do a prequel to the story? But the fact that Jeremy Irons and, and Andy Serkis aren't big enough of an age gap that you, you could put this as a prequel realistically now, could you? No, I f- I'm pretty sure DC have stopped caring, haven't they? They'd yeah. Be like, <laughs> because the thing is, their most popular films, really, what, the, the Wonder Woman film, the Aquaman film, and the Shazam film did all right. Yeah. And I guess if this Batman does all right, um, people are saying they could always use the Flash film to do Flashpoint. What, and just say that they are all different universes, but they are in the same continuity kind of thing? Yeah, and you know, re- reverse flash, um, something, something. Uh, Robert Pattinson is Batman now, right? <laughs> and Joaquin Phoenix is back in. He's he's in the DCU now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different universes and different timelines. Uh, Barry Allen screwed up. Um, and actually, if we're doing that, can we get maybe a, a new Barry Allen? I don't hate him, <laughs> but you know. He was one of my least favourite parts of that Justice League film. Unrelated, but I watched... Well, talking of Ezra Miller, I watched uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower for the first time the other day, and it's a fabulous movie. Everyone should watch it. That's the thing. I've got nothing, nothing against Ezra Miller. Oh, that's the thing. He is absolutely wasted in Justice League, I agree, because like, when I watched yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower, I'm like, God, this guy's good. And between Justice League and Fantastic Beasts, I feel like they they've really absolutely killed any personality in um yeah i was going to say between um fantastic beasts and justice league um i feel like there is he's just being wasted in a lot of the stuff he's been in yeah that i've seen no i agree um but no speaking of uh, retconning universes um did you see a new hope has been edited yet again for the for the new disney plus release I saw some tweets about it. You saw the um, McClunky? Mc, yeah, McCluskey or McClunky? McClunky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is what, what Greedo now says when he's shot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it probably translates to something like fuck you. I don't know. but <laughs> No, it's, it's Disney, um, so it translates to arm rats. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it looks like, I don't know if they've changed it, but it looks like they now shoot at exactly the same time. I'm not sure if that was done on an earlier edition, but I don't know. The thing is with these the original Star Wars films is you don't know uh, how many changes George made and then just didn't publish. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he that's his voice getting McClunky or whatever. I don't know. They just just some films just leave them done, yeah. <laughs> Never. Um, do you manage to catch the Mandalorian? No, I. I just haven't had the time in the week to look up a good yeah, place it's to hard view to find, it. It's hard to find a good a good quality stream, but uh, no, it's good. It's very good. Uh, we won't we won't talk about that. Pro- we we might talk about it in the next season when it's <laughs> official in the UK. 
I was going to say, well, we've got a, a Star Wars themed episode coming up with episode 9, mm. so possibly we'll just talk about all things Star Wars mm. as well. It will just be a five hour long episode covering everything that's been released <laughs> over the last few weeks. But yeah, no, no spoilers for the time being anyway. Um, yeah. Speaking again of retconning things, <laughs> we've uh, had a um, redesign on, on Sonic the Hedgehog. We talked about this in the last season. Um, uh, yeah. They've fixed it, haven't they? I, I like the new design, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it's, I like the new trailer as well, I think it's... I think, yeah, the, tr- the trailer just... It's very difficult to believe that the same company is making these... It made both trailers, to mm. be honest, and, yeah. like, did both designs. Um, on the design front, actually, I've, I was when I was doing my gaming news looking up, mm. it seems the... Um, the person who came in and did the redesign was a guy called um, Tyson Hesse, mm-hmm. who most recently was the lead designer on Sonic Mania, the game. Oh, really? And did a lot of the artwork. You know, they did those short animations around Sonic Mania's release. Right. He like did some of the designs for that, and he's oh. also worked on like, Sonic the comic. And s- so they got in somebody who very clearly knows how to draw Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, I don't know who did the last one, someone who didn't have a picture of Sonic in front of him. Someone who'd just never even heard of the game. Or someone described Sonic, maybe just like over the phone to him. Mm. They were like, yeah, it's this blue hedgehog, but he stands upright. And <laughs> <laughs> and someone just drew that, you, and that's that's what happened. The the unfortunate inclusion of the call was he's like, yeah, he's he's like a, he's like, uh, he's like, he's a hedgehog, but he's like a human. <laughs> uh, obviously, what the person meant was that he, he like walks on two feet and wears shoes. The other person. <laughs> took that and created the the pre when i look at pictures from the first trailer yeah i think it's fan made now yeah like it seemed like in a few months that's going to seem like a collective um you know a collective illusion we all had yeah no and um, just i don't know if they've improved everything with the look of this film but like I, some of the visuals that sequences actually look stronger than they did in the previous trailer i don't know if that's just because you see that design and it changes the whole perspective of the film for you, but like, it just it does genuinely look like a totally different thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, the music on the trailer as well. As much as obviously I I, I missed uh, Gangster's Paradise, mm. I think the way that it starts off because you at the beginning you actually have music from the games, yeah, in the trailer, which I think is really good, mm-hmm. and then. You get a bit of an interlude before Supersonic, yeah, and then it's the remote, it goes isn't it, what, the new song. What the hey, huh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. It's a good song. I was going to say that's from Spider-Man. Yes, Homecoming it is. As well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, I think just fixing the design and then just making the visuals a lot more. Uh, sorry, not the vi- the audio. Yeah, a lot more. Well, the first trailer was just very clunky as well, wasn't it? It was very McClunky. <laughs> if you will that's what Greedo was talking about <laughs> have you seen the conspiracy theories around this Sonic uh, that this about the yeah the Sonic movie that this was this has all been an elaborate ploy I mean like if it is a marketing campaign then I think it's pretty successful <laughs> I mean if this like this is one of the things where I'd love to see a documentary of the making of this film mm-hmm. Because I think that's probably more interesting than the film will probably end up being. But yeah, no, it's it's a massive risk uh, in a marketing campaign for the first line to be, make film look (laughs) absolutely terrible. (laughs) Yeah, but you say that like, I I saw like this, I saw the Sonic trailer appear on like genuine news websites and all over social media because the headline is just like, this has fixed the Sonic movie, this looks incredible now, and this is the ultimate fix-up kind of thing. Like, it, ev- like there's so much positive word coming out on the internet through every source you could imagine. BBC News put an article about it. Like, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is a really genius marketing move, but, yeah, I I don't know about that. <laughs> it Yeah, it's um too... too... Too, you know, four-dimensional, five-dimensional chess for me. It's too. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to go up against the uh, the absolute genius who thought of this as a marketing move. Uh, do you think it's going to have any repercussions for a 
poorly received design in a trailer um, getting such backlash that it does get completely rehauled, do you think that's going to start? You know, if there is a less objection objectionable but still dislikable design, say in a future movie like this, yeah, do you think it's created the uh, the expectation? Potentially, are you, are you saying as well that um, are you, you, do you think movies will sort of shift towards more sort of committee based um, productions? It, well, it's more like the fact that as much as this was giving the fans what they want, yeah. Um, there are some definitely some corners of the internet where definitely these campaigns can get amplified yeah. by uh, bad actors. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Talking about Joker earlier is that um, that seems like a movie that was created sort of not by a committee but by a, a couple of visions. Um, yeah. And and even though the, the design of the Joker in that movie doesn't match the original comic design with the purple suit, etc., that it's still... Because if you create a good enough quality movie then I don't think people are as harsh on it. But if you create something that... A looks like it um, is uh, is designed by a singular vision, but also the quality of the movie doesn't look great. Then I think that's a problem. But I don't know. It's yeah, it's an interesting uh, case study. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to know what the director actually thought of the initial design, what he thinks of the redesign, whether he think whether like he was all behind it. Yeah until the backlash or whether this was a case of executive meddling well I think sometimes with these kind of films I don't think there is I don't think the director particularly has a big say on the VFX I think Mm. it's not it's not an independent art house film they basically hire a director um, and just say yeah shoot the shots and then we'll put it together in post I I don't think it's as I mean I'm probably being quite harsh there but it, it, it is the way sort of studios tend to work these days yeah it's like with it's like with Marvel movies like Taika Waititi he brought his own he did bring his own vision to Thor Ragnarok but ultimately at the end of the day they got him to do the sort of humour and then they you can see from one trailer to the other they, they modify the design of everything as they go in, in post-production yeah like when they when you see the hammer smashing at first it's in a it's in New York in a on a concrete street and then the next minute it's in is it Norway or something? Hmm. So yeah, I don't think always. I don't think in big studio movies the director always necessarily has a big say on the design of things. Yeah, and I suppose it's he's only got so much time, hasn't he? Yeah, no, exactly. Like in such a big production. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say on this is I've um, you've seen Parks and Rec now, haven't you? Because I think when the first trailer came out, you still hadn't. No. Yes. So it's this is the voice of. Um, uh, John Ralphio. John Ralphio, yes. Um, I I still think he's perfect for the role. Yeah, he I is. I think he really does that. Out. Yeah, definitely. I think I, th- I think it's going to be a really successful film. It looks fun. I, I, it's a good return of Jim Carrey, and I don't know. I think I think there is a chance it could be a, a marketing campaign by building up hype by. Um, I think there's a chance. Completely. Yeah. Completely reworking the core part of your movie. Yeah. Exactly. Well, because to be fair, like I, I don't think there would be a massive market for a Sonic movie without something like this. Yeah, it's definitely been it's definitely been bumped up in the public yeah, knowledge. Yeah, definitely by this entire thing. Yeah, but this I don't know. We'll have to see, won't we? Yes, um, we will. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna take Sim on Valentine's Day? Uh, <laughs> it does release on Valentine's Day, doesn't it? Yes, um, probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's if it comes to my cinema but we'll see um, another thing that's being released another trailer we've had is the Scooby-Doo movie it's called Scoob exclamation um, mark I literally just watched it before the podcast it's kind of a prequel hmm. um, looks alright doesn't it yeah I think it's um, some of the voices sound a bit weird mm. Scooby-Doo talks way too much in this trailer yeah, Scooby-Doo talks too much. Um, it's a bit weird not hearing... Because I think it's his name's Matthew Tilliard, who is, has been Shaggy for pretty much the last 20 years or something, and he was he played him in the 
in the live action movies. Oh, really? Did he? Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's been like one guy voicing Shaggy, and he didn't return for this mm-hmm. film. So that he's all the characters. Obviously, new new voice actors are going to come along. Mm. But it all sounds just slightly different to what we remember. Yeah. But then, and it looks slightly different, but it's fine. This is supposed to be a kind of reboot. I think of visually, that, it, it looks nice. Yeah, it does look quite nice. Um, but yeah, no, I'll give it. I think Scooby Doo talks way too much from what I remember <laughs> of Scooby Doo. Um, but the really interesting thing about this, and I say really interesting, but it might not be, is that this is potentially the first in the Hanna Barbera cinematic universe, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking there. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember reading that like ages ago and thinking they're not going to, though, are they? Oh then, yes, they are. Here we are. So we're getting Dick Dastardly played by Jason Isaacs, who's confirmed to appear in the film. Um, I can't remember who else. Captain Caveman. Uh, who else we got here? Blue Falcon, played by Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> they're going to be um, in like a mansion, and they're going to find like a tablet on the floor. It's going to be basically that scene from Batman v Superman with all these insignias, <laughs> just these little videos of them all. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not wrong. Um, so yeah, that's happening. That releases on the fifteenth of May next year. So maybe give that a go if it's any good. Ah, uh, we'll be we'll be in season then. We could do it for the show. Oh, uh, we could, couldn't we? <laughs> Another cinematic <laughs> universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we also got the trailer for the new Spongebob movie Sponge on the Run do you see this? I did um, this is like the third or fourth theatrical movie isn't it in Spongebob? it is and the third or fourth um, animation style as well by the looks of it um, yeah <laughs> I actually quite like the way it looks I think it's it's kind of that um, they've started doing it with a few animated films now in that in, in kind of that Lego movie um, like low frame rate kind of look yeah so they obviously export it quite smoothly and then they, they add quite realistic textures and then they sort of skip a frame every now and again to make the movements look a bit more stop motion-y yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because um, well the thing is they could still because animation typically is done in 24 frames per second mm-hmm. but sometimes they get those effects like for example probably the clearest one uh, to see it is in Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, that's right. Because early on in the film, Miles is animated at 12 frames per second and the rest of the film is animated at 24. Mm-hmm. And then it gradually he catches up with the rest of it as he learn, like as he becomes more confident and goes into the role of being Spider-Man. Right, I see. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they've... Whether it's just they're animating this at, say something arbitrary like 18 frames per second yeah. but the entire thing's being rendered at 24 so it still looks reasonably smooth yeah no I I think it's visually it looks quite interesting um, Keanu mm. Reeves <laughs> just there yeah um, yep. again that, that, that's a sort of testament to the animation actually that his human head actually fits in quite well by the looks of it yes <laughs> you know, the Spongebob movies are pretty good at having like quite out there cameos yeah David Hasselhoff so, was the first one wasn't it yeah David Hasselhoff was the one that came to mind so, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier this year that Keanu Reeves is in everything mm. yeah, you're right he is <laughs> yeah he did Toy Story as well didn't he hmm interesting oh yeah, yeah no I quite like the look of this that's pretty much it for uh, film news today but um, I have made a Black Friday purchase because next week we're not going to be on by the way next week is um our Black Friday break, so you can all go and do your internet shopping. So, so our our line is that it's because all the news websites, all they're doing is promoting deals and not reporting any news. Yes. But the truth is, <laughs> uh, if we're not at the front of those lines, uh, we we get cranky. We're the people who start pulling people out of the way, getting into fights. We're smashing a fifty-inch TV around someone's head. <laughs> If you look at look for enough clips of those Black Fridays gone wrong, you'll inevitably see both me and Nick <laughs> punching people up the way. Have you bought anything? Not through Black Friday, no. Um, I still need to start doing my Christmas shopping, so I might try yes. and see if there's anything that I can get for. Well, here's here's a bloody good deal for you. 
I've uh, I've picked up my my first Black Friday deal. It's do you remember a few years ago Lenovo released um, a Star Wars AR game? I think so. Yeah, it was about two hundred and fifty pounds when they released it. It comes with like a one to one scale replica metal lightsaber designed to look exactly like Anakin's, uh, which is your VR remote, and you can do lightsaber battles on it. Um, well, that's on sale at the moment on a number of websites. I got mine from IWantOneOfThose.com. Usually. I think it started at retailing at 250. Now it's on sale for 39.99. Oh, very nice. There's a very there's another bundle that includes a Star Wars sweater as well for the same price. So I've spent 40 pounds and I've got a new Star Wars sweater and a Star Wars AR game with a replica lightsaber. So I think I've done pretty well there, if you ask me. I'm trying also to. Um, I think I've spent enough on myself this month because not only did I get Mario and Sonic last week. Uh, I did pick up Pokemon like yesterday. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so I've spent, you know, getting two Switch games back to back is quite expensive. Yeah, I probably could have bought Jedi Fallen Order, but <laughs> this just. But you wanted you wanted that VR game. Yeah, exactly. So like, we were, I think we were supposed to do an episode at some point on Fallen Order, but instead I'll just be reviewing a two-year-old game called Star Wars <laughs> Jedi Power Battles or whatever it's called. <laughs> To be honest, the week we were going to do Jedi Fallen Order, we were also going to do Pokemon Sword, and we were also going to do because uh, the expand the final bit expansion to Shovel Knight comes out on the tenth of December, and it's after <laughs> that date. So we would it was just going to be we talked about some recent games, so I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> Uh, so this week there wasn't anything major, uh, which I went and saw and thought, ooh. That's going to require lots of web links and lots to write and talk about. There's been some stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of announcements because there was a one of the major console manufacturers had a show this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing really that I'd call groundbreaking. Anyway, let's go through the stories that I did write up. Uh, starting first with Google Stadia. So this will probably be a big deal to some people who are really excited for the Stadia or are paying more attention to it than me. Um, but to me, I was like, eh. Um, so this week is two things that usually are pretty good uh, news stories right up before something's released. Because this Google Stadia comes out in like a few weeks. It just completely snuck up on me. <laughs> um, but it's the launch library and its list of features has been announced. But unfortunately, this has been met with mixed responses. Uh, so let's go through those in turn and see why, shall we? Let's do it. So, first off, the launch library. Nick, how many games will be available on the Google Stadia at launch? Thirteen. You're very close. (laughs) Go on. Twelve. Ooh! That's not a lot, though, is it? It's not a lot, and I'll give you the list, and you can see if you can tell me what might not be appealing about these games. Uh... And bear in mind, I don't mean, like, overtly unappealing. Mm. It's just something to note, Mm. you know? So anyway, uh, available at launch will be Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, Destiny 2 The Collection, Guilt, uh, which is an indie game and the system's only exclusive. Right. Just Dance 2020. Right. Kine. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's K-I-N-E. Yeah, sounds all right. Mortal Kombat 11. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 hmm. Rise of the Tomb Raider Samurai Showdown Shadow of the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition Thumper Tomb Raider Definitive Edition So those are the 12 games Three of them are Tomb Raiders Three of them are Tomb Raider games And I think aside from Just Dance 2020 I think all of them are at least a year old Yes. I was going to say, we haven't had an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. When you mentioned that, I was like, cool, blimey, that was that was a while ago. So, the thing is, it's not that these... When I, That's why I said, like, it's not that they're overtly unappealing. Those, mm. These are not bad games. But only one, which is an indie game, is exclusive. And if you were really big on playing those other games, there's a good chance you already own them. <laughs> <laughs> So that is that's going to be what's available at launch. There'll be fourteen games coming before the end of the year. So I'll just I'll go through those a bit more quickly. 
Right. Uh, so that's uh, Attack on Titan 2 Final Battle, mm-hmm. Borderlands 3, Darksiders Genesis, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, Farming Simulator 19, Final <laughs> Fantasy 15, Football Manager 2020, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Grid, Metro Exodus, NBA 2K20, Rage 2, Trials Rising, and Wolfenstein Youngblood. Are those all brand new? No. I was going to say. Dragon, they vary. Like, uh, obviously, Football Manager 2020 and NBA 2K20 are both this year. Hmm. But stuff like Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 came back came out about three years ago now, I reckon. Right, yeah. It's not an outstanding lineup, is it? So, uh, the new Doom game, Doom Eternal, was going to be on that list, but that was delayed anyway. That was delayed on all systems. Right. So, therefore, that would have been a new newer release. Hmm. So before the end of the the year, like whilst there are some good games on there, I, there's nothing there. That's there's no system sellers in there for me. No, and I think that might be the problem when you're trying to get into the console game, but you you're not a first party publisher yourself. Yeah. Plus, you should probably the very usually launch with like an ex- a console exclusive, like a very big console exclusive. Exactly, and the thing is, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony can just develop their own. Hmm. Like, obviously, um, Breath of the Wild was with the Switch. Um, PS4, I think, had, like, Knack 2. Had what? Um, Knack 2, wasn't it? It was that platform with the weird shape monster thing. I literally have never heard of that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say that as a PS4 owner as well. And Xbox One had... I want to say Rare Replay, but that's not really a big deal, because it was just mm. a re-release. Right. But anyway, they, they have their own studios. Like Now, obviously, it's forgetting about launch. Obviously, PS4 has Spider-Man, Gears of War, Nintendo has Mario, Zelda, etc. Mm-hmm. Xbox has Gears 5, etc. And Google does not make games that I know of. So they're always going to be on the back foot here a little bit. So that's a launch library. Uh, so it's it's not the worst thing but considering you'd have to buy these games again if you already own them yeah it's definitely not a seller no uh so let's go into the other half um which is uh they did an uh, they did an AMA on Reddit and it came out that the uh, Stadia is going to be shipping without a lot of its core features right. so they'll be coming uh, just after launch so some of the stuff that won't be available is Crowdplay, which is uh, a state share and stream connect, which is um, stuff that allows other people to join your game and extra stuff for if you're streaming on YouTube, I believe. That will be next year. Right. Um, st- the, the Google Stadia's achievement system uh, shortly after launch. The ability to use existing Chromecast Ultras to play games. At launch, only the Chromecast Ultras that ship with the Stadia controllers will be able to actually use the Stadia. All so if you've already got a Chromecast, yeah, it will have to be in an update next year. Oof. Uh, family sharing. So until that comes in, you couldn't share a game that you bought with say your child or someone else in your family you'd have to buy the game again that's coming next year the buddy passes which is what comes with the founders edition of Stadia Uh, so the buddy pass it gives a friend a free month Stadia subscription that's coming next year or later and I'm reading these off Kotaku by the way I couldn't be asked just to copy and paste them just to read the same text (laughs) um and the Stadia controller won't release until next year uh, so it says everyone who pre-ordered Stadia will get their codes to sign on to the service starting November 2019 and will be able to play on their phones or Chrome desktop browser with a keyboard and mouse however the packages uh. containing the controllers and Chromecasts will have staggered shipping right. um, sent out in the order that the pre-orders were received so that kind of well means that they don't have the capacity to meet Demand, so I guess they must have been decent numbers of pre-orders. So that means that you may, if you pre-ordered late, you may not get your (laughs) Stadia controller straight away. So it doesn't support Xbox or or PS4 controllers. 
That oh, okay, so some third party controllers are going to be supported. Uh, right. Some will be coming later. So some people are saying, oh, it's just you know, it's just it's most services will just launch with their basic features and expand next. Uh, but that may be more true of say a website than a games console. Yeah. I mean, granted, stuff like Nintendo Switch didn't have its online subscription thing until a few months in. Yes, I remember. But until that point, people were just allowed to play online for free. Yeah. It didn't really affect much. Yeah. So I think that's quite a substantial amount of stuff that's missing, to be honest. Um, Pair that up with its reasonably lacklustre launch library. I mean, there's an argument that most consoles don't launch for, like don't have great libraries at launch. They have a great library, say a year in. Yeah. But the lack of like a killer app, you know, the must-have that you must have a Stadia for, really shines through. I think. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like you're going to be placing your order anytime soon, does it? No, I, I said in the in the last segment I've spent too much money on Pokemon <laughs> and Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Um, I mean, granted, like, obviously the, the troubles I've been having with my computer's graphics card recently, something like a Stadia means that it, it, well, that wouldn't matter. Yeah, but also, does anyone have good enough internet speed for this? Exactly, and also if Valve is working on a competitor, and if Valve is like... You can play your entire Steam library. Yeah. Of my what hundred plus games. Yeah. I'm not going to get a Stadia, no. No. Well, that's, they they got good timing on that market, didn't they? At, at, at Steam. Hmm. So Google, Google have introduced the idea, and now the uh, there's a chance that Valve may go and just do it well. <laughs> but they may not. Valve haven't been that good on the ball themselves either. So. <laughs> What can I say? That is the latest news regarding the Google Stadia. I'm probably not going to get one. Um, if you you are, please at uh, at Synopt Podcast and let us know how it is. Or why? I'm genuinely interested. Let us know why you're getting one. <laughs> uh, and let us know um, how good your internet speeds are. <laughs> So next, um, I said that one of the major console manufacturers had an event this week, and this one was Xbox. So the event was called, well, it was X019, so I'm not sure if that's meant to be like X19 or X1019. (laughs) Anyway, this is Xbox gaming event held in the past week, uh, named so that future historians won't be sure what century it happened in. (laughs) Uh, and it had quite a few new game announcements and talk about the upcoming Project Scarlet, which is their next-gen console, Yeah. Uh, which they kind of talked about a bit at E3. Um, on the Project Scarlet front, I, managed, I read a, it was an interview with Eurogamer, with Phil Spencer, who's the head of Xbox at Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, it was recently... Like, he said some stuff covering the Game Pass and, like, the, the work that they're doing. That was reasonably interesting. When it came to Project Scarlet, it was rather corporate speak generic right like in one answer he was like oh we um our console was too expensive last gen so we don't want to do that again but we also don't want to we do want to sacrifice performance for price uh so in my head that ended up to uh, nothing really it was yeah. just saying we don't we don't want to make a weak console uh but we don't want to make an expensive console but don't worry it'll be somehow powerful and affordable which is obviously what you'd say. <laughs> I'm not sure who would sit in an interview and be like, it's going to be the most powerful console in the world, it's going to cost £1,000 each. We've already taken it out of your wallet. Yeah. We've... Enjoy. <laughs> if you have an Xbox One, that Xbox One will be leaving uh, using its return home feature <laughs> if you do not pre-order the the Xbox Two, I guess. The, the fourth Xbox. <laughs> Um, but anyway, there was aside from that, there was some gameplay showed off, some new announcements uh, about Xbox titles and Microsoft developed titles. So I'm just going to go through some of those that were quite interesting. Uh, have you ever played Age of Empires? Uh, no, but I've seen I've seen what it's about. So they showed off the first gameplay from Age of Empires 4. Um, it was very brief, but it looked quite interesting. Uh, I played a lot of Age of Empires 2 in my student house because we all had it. 
And actually, this past week, Age of Empires 2 had its definitive edition release on PC. Alright. So it was all pretty well timed. Age of Empires 2, I think, is actually more popular than Age of Empires 3. I don't know. I, I just get beaten by my friends at AoE 2. <laughs> but number 4 looks like it could be a nice return to form. Because um, I think the last game came out over 10 years ago. It was a while ago since the franchise had a new entry proper. Mm. Um, sea of Thieves. Do you remember us talking about this? I do. Yes. Kind of like the open world, shared world pirate game from Rare. Yeah. Um, is getting an update which gets gives you fire bombs for your boats. Oh. Um, and that that was just a pretty cool looking trailer. It's just people setting each other's boats on fire. <laughs> uh, but more interestingly, from Rare is the announced trailer for their new game, which is called Everwild. And it kind of looks like a, it's it's kind of going for that what what's been done I think a few times, but it's kind of like the natural world, but it's got like magical slash fantasy elements to it. Right. Like some of the animals, like what it opens with what looks like a deer, but it's like antlers have like magic things on it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. Uh, recording this on a Sunday night, <laughs> uh, but it looks like you would. It looks like it's the same kind of idea as uh, Sea of Thieves, where you'd play with like a group of friends, but you'd be like exploring the forests and hunting together and stuff like that. So, right, yeah. Looks pretty cool. I, I mean, I never really got like I think Sea of Thieves in, is available on Windows 10. I'm not on Windows 10 yet, but you know, I wouldn't be against trying out a game like that. But it also seems like a game where you need other people. Like, I need like me, you, and maybe some other people all to get it, and then yeah. we'd... and then you have to find the same time to play it and everything as well. Yeah, which doesn't exist in this zero-hour world. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that would never happen. It's it's about as much as I get to play online games with my friends currently, and this seems <laughs> one that requires far more hours than just like playing a party game or something. Yeah, but either way, it looks pretty cool. Um. On the subject of new games from studios we've talked about recently, uh, Grounded is a new game coming from Obsidian. So Obsidian um, have just released The Outer Worlds. Right. Um, And Grounded, it's a survival game with RPG and narrative elements. So I feel like that's been done quite a lot recently, like the survival game. But then it is Obsidian, and Obsidian have proven themselves to be quite safe hands and quite a good developer. Right. So I will I'll wait to see more details about that. Uh, there probably was some other stories from the Microsoft show, but those are the ones that I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Not so the others aren't. I might have just missed them, but those are the ones I reported on. <laughs> if you want to, you can probably find websites with like everything announced from X019 this year. Anyway, on to the kind of broader headlines of the week. Uh, starting with um, Planet Coaster. So this is uh, from the same people who make Planet Zoo, obviously. Uh, Frontier yeah. Developments. Uh, that's coming to Xbox One and PS4. I I find it very difficult to understand how people can play games like that with a controller. Because, like, <laughs> City Skylines as well is available on console. Yeah. But those sort of simulator games... Like, you need a mouse for precise positioning on stuff like that, so... I don't know. If you want to play it, but you don't have a good enough PC, because Planet Coast is quite demanding, get uh, look into it, and you yeah. can get it for your PS4. Um, other news. This will be interesting for you, Nick. This is actually... I didn't realise, but this is a Frontier Development game as well. Jurassic World Evolution Ooh. is getting a Return to Jurassic Park DLC... Uh, which features voice uh, the original cast coming back to do voice really oh I mm. like that that's very cool um, so yeah I didn't realise it was by the same people who made Planet Coaster and Planet Zoo but obviously Jurassic World Evolution is if you want to make your own dinosaur theme park that's cool and this is like a select few uh, select few missions where you go back to the original Jurassic Park and uh, the trailer shows off like how they've remade Jurassic Park and stuff like that. It's, it looks pretty cool to be oh, honest. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, so that cast is coming back for the uh, next movie as well, isn't it? Aren't they? So yeah, so it makes sense. It's like um, well, it's similar to how in Alien 
Isolation, they got the original cast back for one of those DLCs as well. Oh, cool. To do, like, voice roles. Yeah. Um, Nick, you were talking about Star Wars. Star Wars is now in Fortnite. Oh, I didn't know this. Uh, yeah, you can get um, uh, Imperial Stormtrooper skins for your character. Very cool. So, yeah, that was it. It's like a 30-second video if you want to watch it, but it's it's quite cool. It's just like um, Stormtroopers like patrolling an area, and then someone shoots at them, and they look through like their Stormtrooper things, and they see a bunch of Fortnite players. <laughs> it's like, get your Stormtrooper skin today. So, I mean, it's not surprising, because obviously there was those Marvel crossovers with... Fortnite earlier in the year. Yeah, so, so Disney, Disney already have quite a good relationship. Disney and them. Epic clearly have a decent relationship. Plot twist: Disney's bought them. Bought out Epic. Yeah. <laughs> My God, they'd be unstoppable. <laughs> they wouldn't only then have Disney Plus for like TV and film. They then own the Epic Store for games. Yeah. <laughs> It'd make the within a few years this show will just be called uh, the the Disney Optimists. Yeah, <laughs> because we're not allowed to be cynical anymore in the land of Disney. <laughs> um, uh, my second to last story is uh, this is more my interest and people like me like Super Mario sixty four hacks. Um, so a new one's just mm. come out called Super Mario sixty four Land, uh, which is made by a guy called uh, Kaze, who's one of like the the main famous people for making really good Mario 64 hacks. Okay. And it seems like he's remade like levels from like the future games. Like he's put in the cat suit from Mario 3D World <laughs> on the Wii U right into the Mario 64 engine. Amazing. So, it looks like he's a lot of work's gone in. It does amaze me what modders and hackers can do with like these really really old game engines. Yeah. Uh, so if that's the kind of thing that interests you, then uh, you can find it, uh, find a download for it, and play it on a N64. Amazing. Yeah. And finally, just because I like ending with something either weird or silly, it was a video this week of a streamer who mashed so hard in Mario Party 4 on a minigame <laughs> that he went out of bounds <laughs> because the developers didn't... Uh, generate enough environments because they didn't think anyone would get that score <laughs> and that one you can look up it's by um, a streamer called Ludwig he's got the clip on his Twitter page it's just quite funny isn't it makes it into the void yeah at world's end <laughs> isn't that something we should all stream uh, stream for all strive for Nick uh, <laughs> doing so well that we clip out of bounds of reality <laughs> to be fair that's kind of yeah I've I've always been interested in that in video games. It's all about trying to escape the environment that they've created, isn't it? Yeah, no, there's some really cool tricks I've seen for like speed runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you ever seen the um have you ever seen the uh the PS4 Spider Man like uh the people on the boats in the distance? No. Oh I need to oh, I'll send you it at some point. But yeah, if you go if you go out of the sort of um the map that's that you're confined to in New York and go sort of near one of the boats and stuff then go in photo mode you can um you can go up to them and then if you look at their faces it's 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 quite horrific I'll send you a video of it later <laughs> well um I was going to say a lot of the uh have you ever seen a the kind of speedrunning tactics they use in Breath of the Wild the Zelda game no uh because there's uh, one of the abilities you get early on is called uh, stasis so right. you freeze something in place for like 10 seconds uh, but you can like hit it with weapons and then it's it builds up the momentum and then when the time runs out it all gets applied at once right so it gets used for like puzzle solving because you can freeze something give it give like a big boulder a bunch of wax and then when it unfreezes it'll go fl- it'll go pinging off into the distance right <laughs> uh, what speedrunners do is they'll freeze it hit it a bunch of times and then jump on it and then go into the distance with it. And then, then they literally can get themselves like launched from like the starting area to the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. And it, it is really like in, it's really interesting to watch because the game can barely keep up with like loading the environments. <laughs> uh, just um, kind of on this topic, there was a Twitter page that I f- follow, but I don't think it updates anymore 
called Real Life Done Quick. Right. And it like described like everyday scenarios, but in like speed running terms. <laughs> it was like if you managed to, uh, this because it, it was an American page, obviously. It was like if you managed to clip through the wall at the DMV, you can get your driving license as young as three years old. <laughs> And it was like different tactics like that for like getting to <laughs> certain stages of life really quickly. Oh, that's genius. So this week we watched a film called either Le Mans 66 or Ford versus Ferrari, depending on your location, if you're European or American. Um, it tells the story of Le Mans 66 where... Ford attempts to go up against Ferrari, who's a five, four or five year running Le Mans champion. Yeah, they've been they've been winning it since like the late fifties, haven't they? Yeah, something like that. Um, and it's good. What did you think? I thought it was really good. Yeah, because um, I wasn't like I was aware of some bits. Um, so I'll say we were just talking before we started recording this segment. Spoilers for the film, but it is also based in history, so I'd, I'd, yeah. we're not going <laughs> to do any special spoiler sections. Um, there was stuff I did know, like the beginning of the film, obviously, around Ford wanting to buy Ferrari. Yeah. I knew that they had tried to buy Ferrari, and Enzo was like, nah. But I didn't yeah. know that Ferrari were using it to basically try and get Fiat to pay more. Right, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that was quite an interesting story. Um, and when I was actually looking up about this film afterwards... Uh, apparently the script was written like in the 90s and originally did you know who they were going to try and get to play the two main roles no go on uh, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise oh really that's very 90s yeah <laughs> that would have been very 90s but actually what I'll say is I think who's who who who, who would Brad Pitt be who would Tom Cruise be I imagine just because of the um, obviously who they end up playing the characters I imagine Tom Cruise would have been Carol Shelby um, no, I was thinking Ken. Really? Yeah, I was thinking Brad Pitt would have been Carol Shelby. Well, Brad Brad Pitt does a better um, working man, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, but the thing is, Tom Cruise can do that kind of slightly older looking, slightly more disgruntled. Yeah, I guess. Whereas I like, think Brad Pitt would have been easier. as like, yeah. And also the yeah, and part of me is just going off their resemblance to Christian Bale and Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, Christian Bell does a really good performance. Oh yes, actually, yeah, this is one of the best he's done in a while. I thought I thought it was much better than Vice. Um, I I think he's good in Vice, but I feel I I don't think you get much of a sense of his performance in Vice because of the editing style. Whereas in this, I think it gives him room to breathe in the performance, and I think he delivers a really good one. It's interesting as well because obviously he is he is British. He's he's from the South Coast. Yeah. So, is that, like, him doing closer to what his voice would have been back growing up? No, I think the opposite. I think, I think his voice has kind of gone off in such a tangent that this is, like... It sounds like an American doing a, a northern accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, he's very good regardless. Um, we're talking mostly about this film as well because it does have a little bit of resemblance to what we normally talk about in that it's directed by James Mangold who did the last two Wolverine movies it's also got the same composer and, and I th- it looked like the same cinematography as I'm guessing it's the same um, DOP but I'm not completely sure on that one, it looked good didn't it? Yeah it was really well shot um, mm. like the, the fast bits felt fast Yeah, and it, to be honest it was quite well paced as well because yeah. Like there's some there's some that get the pacing really good, but did you see what was it First Man? Uh, yes, I did. Boring. That grass. <laughs> yeah, that was that was dull. Um, I think if they like the bits where they're actually in space are quite interesting, but it spends so much time just dragging out the story. Yeah. And this, it, it didn't feel like like a drag at all. Obviously, no. the third act is all around Le Man. Yeah, it was a long uh, film, but yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like it dragged at any point. And it still had plenty of time, I think, to build on what, in, in a lot of these cases, are kind of your core elements of your story, which is the people involved. Mm. It was it was really good, and I think what I actually thought was quite interesting as a directional choice was when they were doing, you know, because they they have that first Le Mans that they're going to go to. Yeah. Uh, they they leave Ken behind, leave Christian Bell behind, and then you don't see any of it. 
Yeah, just just via radio. Just via radio. Yeah. And it's just Christian Bell working in the in the in the workshop. Yeah. Until his um until his wife comes to visit, and yeah. I think that was so. It's almost like because obviously they could have very easily done this like a sports movie, you know. Yeah. Like at the the midpoint of the film is the time where they try and fail. Everyone's a bit dour, um, and then there's the you know everyone pulls up their socks and they do it in the third act by golly yeah but this they were like almost as if being like well you know if this is what the film's about if he's not there you know it's not gonna yeah <laughs> I thought uh, no I thought the directional style was very good I, th- I did have a little bit of a qualm with the script and and it's interesting that you say that it was written in the 90s because like I haven't seen this sort of film in a long time in that I haven't seen a film with very masculine leads who, who without any sort of big heavy emotional um, set downs if you know what I mean it's like it's very when you look at Henry Ford's character and, and the character of Enzo Ferrari and the character of Carol Shelby and the character of um, Ed, Ed Mars um, Ken Miles sorry when they when they're talking to each other, it's all quite blokey and and I'm gonna do this. You're a dickhead. I'm gonna punch you, and we're gonna crack open a beer, and we're gonna drink. And this guy called you fat, and it's all very <laughs> it's it's kind of tropes that I haven't actually seen in a long time. And I don't know. I don't it, I don't know if it it did seem like a dated screenplay because it's interesting that you say it was set in the nineties because I. I did notice that the the, the kind of characterisation, especially of Ken Miles' wife, is somewhat dated at times. Would you agree? I would, but then I don't know. I guess part of me was just like, well, it well one, it's set like in the sixties. Uh, one, it's yeah, it's set in the sixties, and two, from what I understood, what I understood before going in, it really was a um, a pissing contest between Ford and Ferrari. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was. <laughs> like, and that that comes across. And actually, I respected it because it's a really weird one. Because again, like a sports movie, you're expected to root for this team as the underdogs. But Ford is a massively bigger company. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, the film isn't afraid to show you that this is uh, Henry Ford basically being hurt that he couldn't buy Ferrari. Yeah. And actually they don't paint Ferrari as like the villain or anything they're kind of almost a neutral party and obviously there's the rivalries between the races yeah but Enzo Ferrari is just kind of there and actually like it doesn't it's not afraid to shy away from the fact that even though you see Ford as the underdog it's not like Ford is the big corporation and as there is a quote in the film where they say it's all been about selling cars so it's not it's not quite yeah that it's it, it actually gives quite a lot of depth to the characterization of both the companies. Yeah, it makes the competition seem a lot more um, not so one-sided. Yeah. Because, like, there's bits in the third act in the race at Le Mans where Matt Damon's character, um, Carol Shelby, just starts stealing stuff from the Ferrari garage. <laughs> and I was actually a bit like, come on, that's... Don't be a dick. <laughs> because at certain, from a certain angle, you could see it as employee of massive American corporation is bullying this little Italian sports car maker. Yeah, <laughs> where the markups are like basically nothing. In fact, that's the reason they had to sell. <laughs> yeah. One thing is they. Uh, one thing I kind of missed from this. I mean, you and I probably saw they they did a documentary on this on on an episode of Top Gear about ten years ago. Something wasn't it? Mm. Um, I I quite there, there was a missing story element for me, whereas because I like I like the fact that um, there were these regulations to get into Le Mans, and one of those regulations was they had to create a series of production versions of the GT. Hmm. And and every GT came off the line slightly different to the previous one, and they kind of had to like smash out a, a, a production of at least twenty real world cars before they could enter it into Le Mans. And that that kind of wasn't covered in this movie, but I guess scripts get streamlined to the point where you need to produce something cinematic. But um, no, nonetheless, I think I think with the material they had, I think it's it's not a bad movie. 
Hmm. I think they covered enough of like the rules and regulations stuff as it pertained to the characters. Yeah. Because obviously at the beginning they, you know, they show the bonnet bit. <laughs> the bonnet bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good scene. Good character. Yeah. Good character um, development. Seeing that um, as an entrance for Ken Miles's character. I also really liked the, uh, one of the most visually and uh, striking scenes in the movie. I thought was in the night at that on that runway. Well, when um, he has his first crash. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, no, I, I thought, thought I thought that scene was was pretty breathtaking. Um, I thought a couple of the scenes during the day, a couple of the panning shots felt a little bit Gran Turismo because they're quite smooth. But hmm. other than that, this, like it's if you're really looking for it, you'll notice. But if not, it's like a very realistic, very raw looking film, which is good. Yeah, and I think the performances do really sell it. Yeah. Definitely. Like I, I like the the father son relationship in it, and yeah, yeah, that, that obviously kid acts you, as good can, as well, wasn't it? You can tell the complicated past between um, Shelby and Ken. Yeah. Um, and it is actually obviously um, posthumously he was entered into the Racing Hall of Fame, but the fact that at the the very end he's a team player and it costs him winning. Yeah. The free, uh, what the Daytona. Uh, Sebring yeah. and Le Mans yeah. all in the same year is actually I've actually was a bit disappointed for him yeah me too I'm like no fuck the others just go for it <laughs> yeah I was a bit like nah screw them but then like that photo has I mean like even though the, the you see a bit of the reasoning between, behind the photo but I think even as a non-car person I think a lot of people have probably seen that photo of the three mm. Fords crossing the line and it is quite a remarkable like historical motor racing photo because Ford suddenly produced one of the quickest cars in the world and the Ford GT still exists to this day and I think it did a lot for their image but mm. but also yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a dick move <laughs> exactly like I just wanted that executive to get punched a few times yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm quite surprised oh, he, he got a little bit of ruffle tuffle but I was, yeah. fully, I was fully expecting Carol Shelby to give him a good old licking on the nose. Oh. I liked when they locked him in his office. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, that was just yeah. It was a very um, it was a very obviously risky move by Shelby. Yeah, but the whole thing. I mean, obviously, it's going to be dramatized to a certain amount. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good scene nonetheless. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good film. What would you give it out of a ninety degree thumbs up? Oh, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at my thumb at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you get a protractor probably out? A, probably a 75 degree thumbs up. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm probably going with something to a sort of 65. Like, I thought it was a very well-made movie, but I feel, I feel like if with a slightly tighter script, I might have enjoyed this more, because it is shot well, but... I mean, like mm. looking at looking at Mangold's last movie, Logan. Like, I th I think it that's a very character based script, and I, I you feel a little bit more depth within the characters. Um, but yeah, anyway, no, it's a good movie, definitely worth a watch. I think if you're a, you're a car fanatic, yeah, or even have a passing interest in car history or cars in general, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, there are definitely worse uh, kind of. Biopics. Yeah, definitely. For if sure. this is what this falls into. So that's going to about do us for another episode of the Cynical Optimist podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed, let us know. Uh, if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you think because yeah. I believe that helps uh, other people to find the podcast as well on SoundCloud. Uh, follow uh i think you can like tracks on there uh -huh. spotify um re re retweet us i don't know what spotify is <laughs> you can follow the podcast at synopt podcast for updates throughout the week and we also do we've actually had quite a few videos that we've been putting up on youtube.com forward slash Inc. in the meantime some of them are just excerpts from the podcast with some video added uh but in this last week we put up 
our first impressions from Marion Sonic at the Olympic Games. That's a good one. That's that's one of my favourites we've done actually. Actually, rewatching it, and the the second part went up today uh, or yesterday. If you're listening to this, um, both parts. I think I was going to just do it down into one video. Yeah. But I think actually, from a um, watching sense, I'm, I think a 12 and a 13 minute video is a bit easier than a 25 minute video. Yeah, definitely. And considering we cut that down from what a 40 minute recording, <laughs> it is quite um, fluid. It yeah. flows quite well. Uh, aside from that. Uh, you can follow me at Haddo Inc or you can uh, I've got a cha- other channel called uh, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash bridge big knickers where I do lots of videos and weird and wacky things uh, with my sister <laughs> Vicky Nick where can we find your stuff you can find me on twitter also at Mick Nortimer uh, you can also find our new Haddo Inc. Star Wars TV show, Not My Star Wars, at NM Star Wars on Twitter, where you can get updates from that. We've just recorded the first episode, and I'm currently in in the edit of that one. So yeah, that will be coming out. That will be coming out before the last uh, the the Rise of Skywalker, won't it? Yeah, I've said it. It's got to happen now. Yeah, we've we've announced it on on the Cinequoptimus, therefore it's going to happen. <laughs> um. But that was a lot of fun to record, so yeah. I'm looking forward to people hearing that. Um, aside from that, we've got no show next week, as we alluded to earlier, uh, because of Black Friday. There's just usually most of the news sites are just overrun with. I'm where you can about get deals. to set up. I'm setting up camp outside Asda right now. Actually, I'm just getting my tent. Okay, yeah, and that's that's another thing is we we need to get the deals yeah, ourselves. No, so exactly. There's no point us reporting on the deals when we could be there making <laughs> making those savings, <laughs> those sweet savings. Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks. Um, we don't know the exact topics for the next few weeks, but stuff we're in. Inter- we've talked a little bit before about what we might be covering. Yeah. Uh, there's some other good films coming out. So yeah, let's keep with the Cinecoptimist podcast. We'll see you in two weeks when we'll be taking you all the way to Christmas from then. Woo! But until then, I've been Phil. And I've been Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Bye!